0: Cool, let's pray. Jesus, we are trusting that you'd speak to all of us, um, not only as individuals, but for married couples here, um, that you'd speak to us now. We open up our hearts to you. We know that nothing is impossible for you. And even as we look at your word, that you can speak to us, you can change us. We pray this all in your name, in your powerful name, Jesus. And everyone believed it said? Amen. Amen. Awesome. You guys can take your seats. so good to be with our church family, not only in table view, uh, we are linked to milk and Camps Bay and online. Can can we give a big shout, a big round of applause to all our church family in person and online? So I wanna welcome you guys. Last weekend, we actually launched Camps Bay so this is our second week at Camp Spare and it was a phenomenal launch. You can actually go look online at some of the footage, some of the photos, once you share that video with your world. And this is the first Sunday that TableView, Meltboss and Camp Spare are all linked in one service. So we are excited about that. And I also want to remind you of the opportunity that you can go onto ViewChurch TableView on Facebook, View Church Meltboss on Facebook or ViewChurch Camp Spare right now. And whichever location you're sitting in, if you share the service, and of course, uh, Facebook will sort of let it get traction in the community um, that we sort of have tagged it in, and so um, if you want your friends to have a look in at church this morning, it's a simple way to reach your world, invite your world. Why don't you share the service now? If you haven't, you can open up your device and the service. You know, we're pretty much linking hands, so you can actually serve in the service by sharing the service. It's pretty simple, and um, I just want to thank all of our dream team as a table view at Mount and at Camps Bay. You guys are the people who help us build the church. You, you're the hands and feet. So can we give a big round of applause to every Dream Team who serves yeah. TableView, View, Wars, Camps Bay. Thank you so much. And then we just wanna... Honor Matt, who is our location pastor at Camps Bay, and then also Graham and Jenny. Who, listen, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Graham and Jenny. They not only pretty much launched launched View Church, they've launched missions out of this church, the Zambia Project. They sent the workers, uh, but they've also now uh, heading up the transition at Melpus, where we've seen two churches come together. Uh, But they really are, we're standing on their shoulders. So, can we give them a big round of applause to honor Graham and Jenny and also Matt? So, yeah, we've been doing our Dangerous prayer series. And so for Melbush, you guys are joining us the last week. Uh, Campus Bay, you, we're, you guys would have been with us uh, last week already. So it's your second week of Dangerous Prayers. And for Table View, this is your, your fourth week. So you guys are further down the line. So I'm believing that you guys have got more responsibility now with prayers. But, but yo, here we go.
1: Yeah, so we're talking about praying Dangerous Prayers. And the title for this week is that there is more. And therefore, we need to pray dangerous praise. I'm going to kick it off with a story. I think it's such a good story. But I'm going to ask you guys to lean in. Is that good? Because I know when someone tells a story, it's easy to, to, to think about the week and what you have to do and pick up your cell phone and go on Facebook. Come on. Pretend you're commenting online. But I'm asking you guys, Camp Spain, Malpos, Tablesville, will you guys lean in? Because I really believe that the story is going to bless you. Is that good? Awesome. Here we go. It's written by a, a Christian freelance... Writer, she's clearly American. You'll hear from the get-go that she's totally American. Here we go, but I won't do an American accent. (laughs) I'm terrible at accents. Okay, here we go. A few months after my father died, I met him in a farmer's field, scattered with carnival rides, craft tables, and food booths, where he told me a secret about heaven. While I was surprised to see him, I wasn't surprised to see him there because it was where he was happiest, barbecuing a side of beef, Wearing an apron, toting a carving knife, and inviting small-town carnival goers to sample his secret sauce. At first, I couldn't believe it was him. When I saw him from the back, many yards away, I thought, that can't be Dad, because he's, he died. But then as he strode toward me, excitement engulfed me. Oh my gosh, it's him. His smile beamed as the sun glistened on his wireframe glasses, and true to form, he wore socks that didn't match his shorts with legs that needed to see more of the summer. When he reached me, he smiled broadly, and he said, well, hi, Shana. I was surprised that he acted as if he hadn't died and that no time had passed at all. He placed his foot on the curb next to me and bent down to tie his shoe. I gazed at him in awe. And I intuitively knew I would only have a short time to say what was most important to me. So I spoke quickly because I wanted to thank him for his care. I said, dad, I want you to know that I took all of the money that you left me and I've paid off every bill. I have no debt, dad. I've invested the rest of the money so wisely and I am set and I'm financially secure for life. He stood up and he looked me straight in the eye and grinned. Well, Shauna, I'm proud of you. My heart melted. He said what I wanted to hear my entire life, that he was proud. And my chest ached with tears that wanted to come, but didn't. Then he shared something that I needed to know about eternity. You know what I've learned, though, he quipped? I've learned, Shauna, that that stuff is not the stuff that really matters in heaven. And then he was gone quicker than he had come. When I worked for my dream, my eyes filled with tears, and I quickly found my journal to record the message for a future time, and that time is now. You see, my father's message wasn't just for me, it's also for you, because the Bible echoes my father's statement about heaven and eternity. In his book, Driven by Eternity, John Bevere writes how important it is to plan for our eternal future. He says this, of those who plan for forever with God, they live with purpose and they know their eternal destiny is being written by how they live on earth. I'm gonna say that again, guys, this is key. They live with purpose and they know their eternal destiny is being written by how they live on earth. This will provide them a grand entrance into the kingdom of heaven rather than them slipping in with all that they've done, burned up and destroyed. You might be thinking, what? Burned up, destroyed? What is John Bevere on about? He's referring to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 to 15, which says this. If any man or woman builds on this foundation Jesus Christ using gold, silver, costly stones, or wood, hay, or straw, His work will be shown for what it is, because the day when Jesus Christ returns will bring it to light, and it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man or woman's work. If what they have built survives, they will receive his reward. If it is burnt up, they will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping the flames. You see, building with gold, silver, and costly stones means building on Christ by obeying Him and actually being obedient to the calling or the purposes of God that He set out for your life. Building with wood, hay, or straw means following your own fleshly desires to live life your own way, regardless of God's plan for your life. Can you imagine working your entire life, okay, doing good works, that you thought would matter to God, only to finally meet Him face to face and to realize that you were only doing what sounded good to you and that you weren't building on Christ at all. Granted, no one builds entirely on Christ because we're all sinners. We're all sinners and we're all saved by the blood of Jesus. We're saved by grace, amen? So salvation does not depend on works, but as you can see, our heavenly rewards do depend on how we live out our works on earth. And there will be a direct result of how we've lived on earth. Perhaps these heavenly rewards are a reason why Paul exhorted the Philippians to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. That's in Philippians 2 verse 12. All of this doesn't mean that if you're a stay-at-home mom that you should feel guilty, that, oh, you should be doing more for Christ. It doesn't mean that if you're not in the ministry, you should quit your job and run to the mission field. Instead, remember that God's rewards will be granted based on obedience. Remember, the Bible says obedience is greater than Sacrifice. sacrifice. It's all about obedience to fulfill whatever vocation or purpose He has called you to. Whether you're called to be a doctor, called to be a teacher, called to be a stay-at-home mom or a landscaper. Whatever your life's purpose is, it must begin and end with Jesus. If you're a stay-at-home mom, teach your kids to love Jesus more than anything. Teach them to honor Jesus. If you're a teacher, What an opportunity you have. You've got these kids for an entire year. You can tell them about Jesus. You can pray for them. You can plant seeds. If you're a doctor, you can ask the Holy Spirit every morning to guide you, to give you discernment. Whatever God's called you to do, make it start and end with Jesus. So when He reveals what He wants you to do with your life, do it wholeheartedly. And when you come into His kingdom at the end of your life, you will hear Him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Now, that was the story that I read. It's a pretty powerful story, isn't it? Yeah. And I, for me, it reminds me yet again, guys, that you and I, we are not physical beings. We are spiritual beings having a very temporary, physical, earthly experience. And then we can deliver spirits for eternity in heaven. And it reminds me, these kind of stories remind me You only get one life, one chance, and we live with the consequences forever, right? It's YOLO, you only live once. And then the consequences are there forevermore. And so today, like Andre said, we're talking about dangerous prayers. We need to remember every day that there is more. This isn't the real thing. Okay, earth is, is, is a fleeting, temporary experience. There is so much more. Eternity is waiting for us. And if we're living with eternity in mind, we need to be people that pray dangerous prayers. Can I get an amen? amen.
0: So um, I came to this church, we were invited by friends. There was a, like a mini revival in my matric year. There were about 220 um, uh, of us in that year and about 120 of us came to church. Um, Of course, at the front end, we came for the coffee, the free coffee at the end of the service. And then uh, as guys, we came for the girls we could meet. Uh, We ended up staying and getting to know Jesus. A lot of my friends uh, didn't stay. Uh, But Graham and Jenny at that point were preaching that God's got a destiny for you. And that stuck with me. Not only did I hear that, I also heard the gospel for the first time. I grew up in a religious church, and I couldn't remember ever hearing that Jesus paid the price for my sins. I'm not saying they didn't say that. I just didn't remember that being mentioned ever. And once I heard that, I knew uh, all of a sudden that there was a destiny on my life, that God made me in my mother's womb on purpose, for a purpose. He made me wonderfully and skillfully, knit me together. And that this life, there was this massive opportunity. I didn't want to waste it. I know for my children as well, there's this massive opportunity. There's this destiny that's on their life. And, and so for me in that place, I started to desperately desire to reach my destiny. It became my greatest desire that God had made me and I didn't want to miss out on this. I also knew that there was, there was a massive chance I would miss my destiny because of me. But because of God, there was a massive chance that I could reach my destiny. And I started to rely on Him. I remember pretty much for three years, waking up almost every day, praying, God, please let me reach my destiny. I feel that that prayer was the most dangerous prayer against everything that wasn't in my destiny. You know what I mean? Everything that wasn't of God that was trying to get into my life. And so I even feel now that I'm doing things on the back end of those prayers. And not only have I prayed that for myself and I pray that for Leanne and my girls, that's become the main prayer I pray for the church, for everyone sitting in Tableview, in Markbores, in Camps Bay. I pray that for our staff all the time. I pray that they reach their destiny. And I know it's not gonna be because of me, but it's gonna be by the grace of God. So what I realized sitting in this church as a young man that I was made for a person and the person was Jesus, that my life was actually for him to give him honor, to give him glory. My life was made for this moment where I actually saw him as the Savior. And that not only did I ask him to forgive me of my sins, but I also made him the Lord of my life. And how, what's the picture of that? Well, he's first place in my life. Um, he, Jesus has never come second. He's never come third. He's never come fourth. He's only ever come first. And if I wanted him in my life, I had to give him his position that he only sort of stands in and first. So I made him my first uh, priority. So I made for a person and I also realized I was made for a place. The place is heaven. And if I was made for a place that is heaven, then I need to start living for heaven. And also learned that whatever I honor God with on earth, I can enjoy, enjoy forever in heaven. So it totally changed my life. See, the thing is, if you think your life, if this is all there is to life, earth is all there is to life, then you might roll up your sleeves. And that's not a bad thing. You need to be a steward. You need to work hard. Um, but if you know that you were, your life was meant to, for heaven, then you're gonna get on your knees in a way and start to pray these dangerous prayers uh, against anything that's not in God's plan for your life. God, by your grace, can I please reach my destiny? God, will you use my life? Um, Even as I wasn't clear on exactly what I was supposed to do, I also realized that Jesus is the ultimate servant. And then I needed to follow his example. And if I started just to serve, I'd be way easier to lead. You understand? People who aren't serving are a bit harder to lead when it comes to Jesus leading your life and being first in your life. And that servant heart was set by him. And so I needed to follow that. So, So yes, I... I I didn't just roll up my sleeves to build a great career, which isn't bad. I want to encourage you to be stewards and, and build a career that honors him. But I got on my knees to actually settle my eternity. Uh, To to not only ask him to forgive me, but also to ask him to lead me so I could live out my destiny. John 14 verse 1 says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Now, of course, Jesus is saying this, trust also in me. Goes on to say, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you I'm going to prepare a place for you. So Jesus is saying to us, you can trust God, you can trust me, you, you can trust me and trust that I'm preparing a place. You can trust me, I'm made for a person, Jesus, like Jesus saying, Jesus saying, not me, I'm saying Jesus, and and you're made for a place. My father's house, many rooms, you're made for heaven. What I realized, that unsettled feeling I felt at school All my life, and that unsettledness that sort of came into my life as I became a teen actually was removed once I started to build my life on the rock that is Christ. And life without um, Jesus and without heaven, eternity in your mind is a very unsettled, unsettled life. You don't know what's coming next and storms will knock you about. So I encourage you, you're made for a person, Jesus, and a place, heaven.
1: So Pastor John Verveer, he writes in his book about eternity. It's a very interesting story. He has a, a, a friend who's a pastor, and in 1991, he really felt God say to him, "Look, I need you. I'm calling you to plant a church in this particular suburb in America." And it was a really difficult suburb to grow a church. It wasn't. It wasn't the Bible Belt. It was a difficult place to to establish a church. And his friend started the church off with 20 people. That was including his family and off they plodded, and it was a long road, and he got hurt, and there were times he wanted to quit, but he kept plodding along, and eventually in 2016, they were a 4,000-member church. They were strong, they were impacting the community, and they had just built their brand new building. And once they opened their, their building, this uh, very distinguished looking um, elderly gentleman started to arrive in the services and the pastor noticed him, John Bevere's friend, that he would come every Sunday and he would cry from the minute worship started to the end of the service, he would just bawl his eyes out. And eventually after a few weeks, one of the associate pastors went to him and said, hey, sir, like, I'd like to meet you, what is your story? And the pastor told him that, sorry, the gentleman told the associate pastor that in 1981, God had spoken to him very clearly that he needed to build a church in that very suburb. And he said, God had, it was a clear word from God and God had given him a picture of what this church would look like. And he took this crumpled piece of paper out of his pants pockets. And there on the picture was the exact replica of the church that they were sitting in. And the associate pastor said he got very shaky. It was such a, a crazy, um, you know, thing to be experiencing. And the man said that basically he had started the church in 1981, but it's, it was tough. Who knows that working with people is tough? And who knows that if you're planning a church, the devil wants to take you out And it's going to get difficult, and it's going to get exhausting. And eventually he decided, I've had enough. And he went back to the business world, and he was a successful businessman. He used to fly all around the world. But he said, walking into this church and seeing the exact picture of what God had shown him, he realized that he had chosen his plan over God's plan. And that God had such a specific calling for that suburb, that because he wasn't willing to pay the price, God had turned to someone else. And he was heartbroken. Now, please don't hear what I'm not saying, okay? That man went through healing. We serve a gracious God. And the church took him through it. And, you know, they walked him through it. But the point is, there is a calling on your life. You were made for something specific. And you know what? Like, if, if you're not gonna step up to the plate, God will use someone else. But you don't wanna get to heaven, and realise that you missed the boat because you weren't willing to pay the
0: price. So um, I grew up with um, in that sort of mini revival um, in Matrix, seeing all my friends. Come to know Jesus, and you know so many of my friends had this had these amazing gifts that God had given them. Um, I knew growing up with them that they had specific calls in their life, and I remember going to events and conferences. And at that point, Paul was our youth and young adults pastor, and them having altar calls. And my friends going up to the front, hey, who feels called by God? And they'd go to the front, and they'd respond. And a lot of them actually, almost majority of them, never actually went further than that. They responded, they got involved, but then when it got tough, they pulled out. And for so many of us, we've walked away, we've pulled out when we were supposed to stay plugged in. Uh, Because remember, whatever can't be tested, can't be trusted. And so if you are called to something, there will be a time of testing. And so many people pull out in that that hard time. I know Reinhard Bonnke, one of the most famous evangelists, he's now passed away, but he's a German gentleman who who ran massive crusades in Africa and around the world. He always shares the story that he was the third choice. That the other two, he had a sense from God that God said, "You're the third choice." And and what we learn is that it's not about ability; it's about availability. And you guys will hear me say this all the time. But but for so many of my friends, they didn't make themselves available. And I encourage you: as soon as you make yourself available, he, God. We see the scriptures. God looks across the earth to show Himself strong on uh, on the behalf of those who are fully committed to Him. God will do the miraculous with your availability. You, you don't have to be perfect, but you do need to be available to say, God, I want to be used by you in that dangerous prayer. God sees it from heaven. And I encourage you right throughout the Bible, there were people of all ages, um, younger and older, who still did, were part of the miraculous. Uh, you can still come back and say, God, I wanna make myself available to you.
1: So um, I grew up in an amazing Christian home. My parents were not perfect, but they were very real, and their love for God was was tangible. And um, they left a really good impression on me, you know. Um, the Bible says, impress your children with your faith. That's what they did. And I can remember in my late teens and my early 20s, I would have these intense quiet times, moments with God of prayer and worship and journaling, and I can remember, I prayed some dangerous prayers. I'm gonna share two of them with you. And the one dangerous prayer, and I would get passionate. I would cry out to God. I would say to him, God, I am begging you, please, I don't wanna live this normal life. I don't wanna marry a nice man and live in a nice house.
0: I, I'm sort of nice, yeah, And
1: have some nice children and have a good salary and run a nice life group once a week and go to a nice church. I said, God, I don't want that. I'm begging you, don't let me fall into that because God, you have more for me. I wanna give you everything. I want my whole life to be about you. I wanna glorify you. I want, I've got one chance on this earth. I get one go at this. God, I'm all in. That was a dangerous prayer to pray. And I'm in my late well, mid to late thirties now. And I can tell you I've had some moments where I'm like, Whoa Leanne, was it wise to pray that prayer? Let's get real. Because I have the I have the privilege and the honor of running this church with my husband, and I do get blown away often that God would let me do this, that He would use a broken vessel like me, and He would let me, because if you get to know me, I'm so far from perfect, but yet God will, will use me, and it's all about being available, and it blows me away. It's my greatest privilege, but running a church Hey, it's not for C's, okay? On top of that, I have um, we have a, um, a, a business, a medical practice. We, we call it our kingdom business. We believe God is gonna grow it and grow it, and it's gonna fund church plants and sound, sound systems, and that's our dream. But who knows that doing that also is, is hard work. I've got two beautiful little girls. They're such a gift. I want nothing more than to see them love Jesus with every fiber of their being. Um, But parenting's not for sissies either. And sometimes everything can seem overwhelming and and you think, wow, normal, nice, would be good. And then I'm reminded, hey, I am a spiritual being. This is a temporary earthly experience. I'm gonna live forever in eternity and I wanna give Jesus everything. It was a dangerous prayer, but I wouldn't take it back for anything because I got one life. Now the dangerous prayer that I really wanted to share with you guys, I I think a lot of people need to hear this, especially if you're a young adult, if you're still single, I prayed this. I only, yeah, so I only had one serious boyfriend before Andre. We dated for about two years, but every single day that we were praying, I said, God, if I'm not gonna reach my destiny with this person, then I beg of you, end it because I don't wanna marry the wrong person, God. I wanna reach my destiny. And God, I thank you that if this relationship is not from you, you've got someone better. And I said it in faith every day. And so you know what, when we broke up, of course breakups are not fun, but I had such a peace that God was gonna give me someone so much better and I was gonna reach my destiny with my spouse and God totally outdid himself. Look who I ended up with, he's amazing.
0: It's not what she said yesterday, <laughs> but and I'm, joking, I'm joking.
1: And then another thing that I prayed along with that is I said, God, I want to marry someone who loves you more than they love me. And especially as women, that can be a dangerous prayer because we want to be numero uno. Come on. It's like ingrained in us. We want to be their first love, their, you know. But ladies and gents, I'm telling you, you want a spouse who loves God more than they love you. Because if they love God, they will have a supernatural love and they will have a supernatural ability to treat you like a prince or a princess because you are the son or daughter of their king. Are you with me? And you will have a healthy marriage and a much healthier life. You want it. That's a dangerous prayer to pray, but don't settle. Last thing I want to add is I always said, God, please, I don't want to settle for second best. And I believe that that took me through some some big decisions. So when I finished school, I said to my parents, I believe God's called me to study medicine. And I said, but I'm not going to be a doctor forever. It's just part of the calling. And they were like, you want to give nine years to something and it's just a part of. And I said, yeah, because God told me to my mom tried very hard to convince me I was offered a scholarship to study a BSc and become a math and science teacher and my mom was like think about the school holidays with your children it'll be so nice and I was like no mom God's called me to do medicine I know I'm not gonna do it full time forever but I'm called and and I believe that that ability to say God I want to I'm going to fight for, for for first prize. I'm not going to settle, made me fight and push. And I had to study my butt off to get in and God showed me favor. But at the same time, with a, with a relationship as well, you don't want to settle for second best. You don't settle. You're God's child. He has the best for you in every area of your life. Don't be a person who settles. Can I get an amen?
0: So, If you have a desire to live out your destiny, we've got four simple um, thoughts and prayers and just just four mindsets you need to to have and action steps you need to take. And the first thing is you have to acknowledge daily that God owns everything and will take care of His people. That needs to become something you wake up with. God, you own everything, and I thank you that you'll take care of your people. You're going to take care of me. I'm your child, and it's like when we make God's business our priority, He'll take care of us. Our business. And not that he doesn't love us and doesn't want to take care of us, but I believe there's there's special care for those who are taking special care of his kingdom and, and making him a priority. And 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 you need to remember God owns everything, he takes care of his people. Philippians 4 verse 19 says, My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And I want to encourage you, you'll never regret chasing after your destiny. I remember um, in my late 20s, I was still single and having, even going, you know, I wanna wanna get married, but then looking even at my finances and going, "Geez, I don't know if I can do this. And if I feel called to ministry, um, this was really a bad decision if I was gonna get married. So, So I actually, and here's what I'm saying, at that moment, I actually said, God, I have such a desire to reach my destiny. If I can't get married, that's fine. I don't want to be married and not reach my destiny uh, like if, I, if, if I'm going to reach my destiny I want to do it you know me I mean with the right person but, but if, the, if I can't do it right now that's cool I'll reach my destiny and I believe God hears those prayers and he supplies for those people you know and God did the miraculous uh, bringing Leanne and I together but, but, but I still it was my priority pursue I knew that he owns everything I knew that he'd take care of me and I carried on saying you first God you first
1: Second thing, church, we we, we know we have to put God first. Come on, God promises us if we put Him first, the rest will be blessed, Amen? amen? Matthew 6, verse 33, seek His kingdom first and His righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. If you're saying, I wonder if I'm putting God first, and I'm gonna be honest, I have to do this regularly, a really good measuring stick is look, where is my time? my talent and my treasure going? Where am I investing my money? Where am I investing my time, my thoughts? And where am I investing my talent? Because that will lead you down a road to a throne. And whatever throne it leads you to, that's what you're worshiping. So I've had moments where I've had a go, Leanne, where's your time going? Where are you putting your talent? Are you worshiping your career or your business? Realign yourself, Leanne. God comes first. Chris Hodges always says this, if God isn't Lord of all, He isn't Lord at all because He is not a God who is willing to come second. He is a jealous God and He wants to be first and He deserves to be first. Come on, Jesus gave you His life, okay? Jesus gave you everything. Nobody owes you anything. We owe Him, all of us. Can I get an amen?
0: Yeah. So
1: we put God first.
0: Third thing that I encourage you to do is be content. And if you aren't, I encourage you to learn to be content. Um, I believe as you focus on Jesus, He's going to teach you, and He's going to open your eyes to what you have. Like that crazy thing is, what if you woke up with only the things you're grateful for? What would you wake up with? Nothing? Nothing? Or are you actually looking around and actually seeing what you've got? Are you grateful for what you got? If you can be grateful and a steward of what you got, God can entrust you with more. But if you're not a steward, you're not grateful of what you've already got, how can you trust God uh, for more? And so I encourage you to be content, be yourself, everyone else is taken. Scripture actually says, your gift makes room for you. And that scripture can uh, be speaking about bringing a generous gift, but also who God designed you, Will make room for you. Run your lane. Um, there's there's no traffic in your lane. The only person who can win in your lane is you, because you were designed to win in that lane. So so be yourself. But but if you're not content and you you're trying to just achieve here on earth instead of achieve um, in, in sort of the goals of heaven, you will become very discontent. You'll compare yourself. Um, you will actually get sidetracked. You um, y- you will actually lose your focus because you'll be comparing your life to others. You'll always be measuring yourself by other people's achievement. Instead of looking for a well done in heaven, you'll look for a well done on earth. And so I encourage you to live for an audience of one. Be content with what He's given you now. Be faithful uh, with what God's uh, given you. And Hebrews 13 verse 5 says, keep your eyes free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Paul said, Philippians 4 verse 11, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. And so it's your, it's your opportunity to be content. Remember where your hope comes from. Your hope comes from Jesus. When you, have no, um, when you have no hope in the future, you have no power in the present. And it's gonna drain you if your hope isn't in Christ and you aren't content in the season.
1: Last one. Church, we need to learn to live between the zeros. Come on, we start life at zero, we end life at zero. The Bible says, naked a man comes from his mother's womb and as he comes so he departs you can't even take a favorite outfit with you to heaven <laughs> anyway that's quite a thought but what is your vision for your life what are you what are you trying to build are you building um, a great investment portfolio are you building a great intellectual career a title are you building uh, your dream house what are you focusing on what's your vision for earth or are you living with eternity in mind are you living with heaven in mind because guys I, i'm going to say this i say it a lot i say it to myself a lot the only thing we can take with us to heaven are people and again, you get one chance, you get one life to pray for your neighbor, to pray for that family member who drives you crazy. You get one chance to take them with you to heaven. One, And then we live with our decisions forevermore. Unfortunately, when you get to heaven, no one's gonna say, welcome, Professor Smith. They're not gonna care about your title. You can't take your BMW with you. All you can take is people. Church, we've got one chance, one life. Make it count. One of my favorite, favorite sayings. I'm sorry if you've heard me say it. I'm going to probably say it again for as long as I live. I want this up in my house, actually, Andre. In my office. Can I do that?
0: Okay. <laughs> More work from work. He's worker. very
1: vain, like it. very into appearances and stuff. Like, he watches <laughs> the home show too much. And I'm being distracted. This is the saying. Ask yourself this every day. What on earth are you doing for heaven's sake? Come on, church. What on earth are you doing for heaven's sake? Because we're on earth for heaven's sake, okay? We're on a mission to empty out hell and populate heaven. And the only chance that we have is this short gap that we get. Amen? Amen. What on earth are you doing for heaven's sake?
0: So um, I was uh, driving on the N7, I was in high school, with um, uh, was my friend's father driving us to a race. And while we were driving the N7, uh, from Table View direction towards uh, Edgemead and Goodwood side, there was a car driving on the other side of the road in the same direction as us. Clearly, I don't know what had happened the night before, it was about five in the morning, and they were on the wrong side of the road. We started to hoot and shout them down and finally this person looks at us and at first he thought we were nuts and we were going, like waving and then he must have realized we both driving in the same direction. At that point, a truck came over, sort of was coming in the distance, you could see the lights and he saw that. He slowed down and he waved at us and he turned around. We slowed down and he turned around and of course he started driving in the right direction. Um, and And really, we were trying to call him so that he wouldn't put his life in danger, in a way, really kill himself. And, and at first he might have thought, oh, these guys are nuts, but then he realized we were there to help him. And, and when we come to Jesus, sometimes we can think the call to ask Jesus to forgive us. To You know, we can go, we can be irritated by it, but then we finally see it for what it is. It's actually somebody, somebody calling us to life. Because it says the wages of sin is death. And, and you can't pay for your sins, but Jesus already paid for your sins. And maybe you've never accepted the, the gift of eternal life, Him paying for your sins. You've never asked Him to forgive you of your sins. I want to wave you down and say, if you haven't asked Him to forgive you of your sins, you are driving down a road that will kill you. Because there'll be a point where you're gonna, somebody's going to have to pay for your sins and you can't pay for it but Jesus can, and so I'm waving you down today and saying, will you turn to Jesus? Will you turn around, and repentance is turning around. You were going one way, now you're going the other way. Will you turn around and turn to Jesus this morning? And not only will you turn to Him and ask Him to forgive you of your sins, but will you also ask Him to be Lord of your life? It's simple. It's putting Him at the top of your list. If He was third place or fourth place in your life, maybe COVID pushed Him down the list. Today's the time to come back to Him and put Him at the top of the list, to, to declare that He's your Savior and He's your Lord, He's your leader. So with every eye closed, at table view at Mount Boys and at Camps Bay, um, I wanna pray for you if you need to turn this morning, if you need to come to Him and ask Him to forgive you of your sins, I want to lead you in a prayer. If you need to come back to Him and make Him the Lord of your life, I want to lead you in a prayer. We've got people looking at a table view, Mount and Camps Bay, and I'm going to count to three. If that's you, I want you to give us a wave. Scripture says, as you acknowledge um, Christ before others, He'll acknowledge you before our Father in heaven. So one. Two, three, pop your hand up, awesome, anyone. Just give us a wave, Milk Boss, Camps Bay, with you. If you're in the room, you need to receive Jesus as your Savior this morning or turn to Him, come on, just give me a wave. Say, Andre, I wanna make right with God. I don't wanna wake up tomorrow and wonder about my eternity. I wanna settle it right now, awesome. Anyone else, awesome. Anyone else, excellent. Anyone else, just pop your hand up, give us a wave and say, Andre, will you pray with me? Lead me in that prayer. Let's pray together at Table View, at Mount and at Camps Bay right now. Let's pray as a church family. Let's declare it out now. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for paying the price of my sin when you died on the cross. Today, I wanna make you the Lord of my life. Put you first in my life. I wanna receive the free gift of salvation. Will you forgive me of my sins? Thank you, Jesus, that I'm yours. I'm your child, and you are my Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's just thank Jesus in this place, in Malport, in in Camps Bay i 'm going to hand over to James at Maltbus, to Matt at Camps Bay right now to online church our church family I am going to say goodbye to you guys right now and then to table view, Um, if you made that decision somebody's going to connect with you um, give you something uh, and they 'd love to pray with you um, if you want to join a group or go to growth track we've got um, we 've got a next steps area outside the church tonight i 'm going to be preaching a different message on dangerous prayers so i'd love you to join us in person or online and remember we 've got growth track in the first week of November, first Tuesday, we'd love for you to take your next step, join the team, start to live out your destiny, God bless you guys.